Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Hope Matumbu. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. The World Health Organization has described antibiotic resistance as one of the greatest threats to human and animal health, as well as food and agriculture. In Melbourne, the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and Safer Care Victoria are hosting a forum featuring a number of Australian clinical and research groups in a dynamic program covering all facets of the response to antimicrobial resistance. I spoke with Leslie Hawes, a PhD fellow at the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of General Practice at Monash University. I also spoke with Courtney Irano, a PhD fellow at the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of Medicine at the University of Melbourne. First up, let's hear from Leslie. Well, antimicrobial stewardship is a bit of a jargon word in a way. It's the antimicrobial agents are things that we use to treat infectious diseases. But basically, stewardship also means we're trying to look after especially our antibiotics because we have such a problem with antibiotic resistance that's emerging at the moment. So basically, we're trying to safeguard our antibiotics because when we have a serious infection, we really need treatment and we want our antibiotics to work. And unfortunately, we've been rather generous with our antibiotics. I mean, we thought of them as miracle cures, which they have been. But um, they don't work. Antibiotics don't work for things like viral infections, like coughs and colds. So now we're realising the problem. We're now working to try and make sure that um, we don't give antibiotics for things like coughs and colds where they don't work, and trying to make sure that the patients who do have serious infections get the appropriate antibiotic at the right time and at the right dose to treat their infection. So I'm particularly working with GPs, general practitioners, because in Australia, most antibiotics are actually prescribed by GPs. I mean, what's it? Something like 80% of us will visit a GP during a year, whereas not many of us, thank goodness, um, go to hospital each year. So GPs actually see most of us and do the bulk of the prescribing. But unfortunately, most of the resistance problem is in hospitals, but we're seeing more of it in the community now. So yes, I work with GPs who are the bulk prescribers of antibiotics. I don't work directly with patients. I work with GPs at the moment, but the GPs are the ones who see the patients. So health literacy is important. GPs do have to explain to patients that um, I mean, a lot of us grew up thinking, you know, if you had a bad cough or you weren't well, you went to the doctor and you got antibiotics and they were the miracle cures. But we now know that you were going to get better anyway. And unfortunately, sometimes antibiotics do have side effects. So it's now about educating patients that antibiotics don't cure everything. And sometimes 
you can be more harmed by the antibiotic, especially if you've got a cough or a cold, than benefiting by it. And um, in terms of the work that GPs do, so we also spoke with um, Courtney Irano, who's a, a who's a PhD fellow as well, but looking more on that surgical side that you mentioned. And she was saying that sometimes the problems can be after the antibiotics that people are prescribed after they've been been to hospital. So is there some sort of crossover sometimes with when people have gotten out of some sort of surgical procedure? and they're back at home and maybe they need to see their GP. So would there be a crossover between the kind of work that you do? Oh, yes, definitely. Because, of course, yes, people who have been in hospital get discharged and then usually they're managed by their GP from that point onwards once they're discharged, maybe with a visit or two back to their specialist. Mm. But usually the GP will be dealing with the problems. And yes, some people can get um, infections after their surgical treatment and often the GP will be dealing with it then. Mm. Sometimes patients can get an infection in the hospital because of some of the antibiotics they can be given. Some people get a really nasty diarrhoea, for instance, um, during hospital treatments. And sometimes the GP can be left to manage that, which can even recur. So yes, GPs certainly deal with patients who have um, come out of hospital with resistant infections or have had antibiotics in hospital and have complications from that. But other times GPs will see community patients who are unwell with things like pneumonia. Mm. And the other area we also have another colleague working in is um, nursing home patients See, a lot of our elderly and our children are thought of as especially vulnerable and we tend to give antibiotics quite freely to our children and our elderly in particular. Just, and often it's a just-in-case mm. and we do see more resistance, particularly in the elderly, because, of course, every antibiotic you take does affect your body. And when you've taken a course of antibiotics, the bacteria that are in your body can become resistant to that antibiotic, certainly for a month or two, but in some cases can be up to a year, 12 months after you've taken the antibiotic. Those bacteria in your body can still be resistant. So if you get sick again within that year and take more antibiotics, um, your bacteria can develop more resistance to the new antibiotic you're taking, and so it compounds. And so we do have this problem in the community as well as in hospitals. So some of it is the hospital bugs coming out into the community and sometimes it's just pockets of high use in the community. Women on the line. And so a lot of the time when people talk about, um, uh, you know, microbial resistance or resistance to antibiotics, it's usually framed in this uh, superbug speak, I guess, which can be quite alarming um, for everyday people. Can you give us an idea of... Of, uh, I guess of the scale of the issue, I guess it differs depending on which area of health you're talking about. What do you think about the language around um, antimicrobial resistance in the way that we understand and speak about it? Well, um, there is someone at Monash University, Associate Professor Mark Davis, working on um, the language that we use for, anti, um, for resistance and the use of superbugs 
isn't really that helpful because people think superbugs, it's a bit like climate change. What can we do about it? It's sort of overwhelming. Mm. Um, whereas with antibiotic resistance, there are things we can do. It's a bit like, if you like, climate change. We can do small things ourselves to help. And um, instead of thinking about superbugs, just thinking about if I'm sick, um, what is it I have? I mean, we used to have an advertising slogan from um, our pharmaceutical advisory service, the NPS, that said commons, uh, coughs and colds need common sense, not antibiotics. Mm. And sometimes it's a case of perhaps going back to our grandparents or our great-grandparents and saying, what did you do when you had a cough or a cold? Because antibiotics really don't work. It's your hot lemon drinks, taking some time off, having a rest that we need. So it's just thinking about common sense things. And if you are really unwell, well, go to the doctor, go to your GP and get checked out. But yes, superbugs isn't a terribly helpful term. We would rather just talk about your infection, what you've got. Will it be something that you will get better by yourself? Or is it something we might just keep an eye on you um, in case you might be at risk of something? So we could just keep a watch and see how you go. If you're not better in two or three days, come back and the doctor will review you and she'll check that you're recovering okay. Mm. Or if you might then need antibiotics, she can prescribe them to you. I mean, antibiotic resistance is natural. Mm. The first antibiotic that Alexander Fleming discovered was penicillin, and he discovered it because it was a mould that grew on his special bacterial cultures, and he noticed that this mould excreted something that killed the bacteria, and that mould he investigated and discovered penicillin, and as they say, the rest is history. And so the first antibiotics were all natural derivatives, often of fungal, things so bacteria do have natural resistance to antibiotics and then of course we got a bit clever and developed some semi-synthetic antibiotics so we used the natural model and we adapted them slightly to overcome those early resistances but of course the bacteria are very adaptable and they developed resistance to those new antibiotics too and bacteria well, they're a little bit promiscuous. They like to swap all their DNA around so they can um, swap DNA and they have what we call plasmids as well that can harbour these resistance genes. And bacteria can swap them not only between bacteria that are very similar but between bacteria that they're not very related to. Mm. So the bacterial resistance can spread. So while it's natural, of course, we've developed more antibiotics, but so have the bacteria developed it, and they will swap and spread that resistance. So, and that also goes for antibiotics that are used out in the environment, such as, say, that might be used in fish farming or fed to animals mm. in America. We don't use so much in our agricultural industry in Australia, but there are some that use them such as in America. I believe they have a high use and Asian countries will use more antibiotics in their animals. And of course, then those animals get um, more resistant genes. And of course, then we eat them. We're exposed to those resistant genes as well. So it does spread between the environment, the animals and humans, and even your pets 
antibiotic use can affect what you're exposed to as well. So, yes, bacteria like to mix and match and swap genes and hence spread the resistance. Mm. So that's why it's become a worldwide phenomenon. And unfortunately, in some countries, um, people have difficulty even getting antibiotics that they need for treatment and they have so many infections because of poor sanitation and hygiene um, that they need antibiotics so those countries have even higher resistance problems than um, we do here but of course we travel to those countries and we have shown that when you've traveled to countries where they do have higher resistance we bring those bacteria back and then we can spread them as well. The National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and Safer Care Victoria will be hosting a forum um, in November, bringing all of the greatest minds such as yourself together. Um, now, just for our listeners, can you tell us what you're looking forward to in terms of that forum? We've got all sorts of people um, coming to talk to us, so we've got a, an exciting couple of days. For GPs who may be listening... We have a special GP workshop on a Saturday because most GPs are working during the week. So we have a workshop for them on Saturday the 17th of November. And that's all available on our um, website through NCAS, which is um, www.ncas-australia.org. And we'll have all that information um, up on the page for our listeners as well. Um, thank That's you. So, great. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking with us on Women on the Line. Thank you, Hope. It was lovely. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. You were just listening to Leslie Hawes, a PhD fellow at the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of General Practice at Monash University. We were discussing antimicrobial stewardship in relation to general practice and the community. Next up is my conversation with Courtney Irano, a PhD fellow at the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of Medicine at the University of Melbourne. We discussed antimicrobial stewardship in relation to surgical and other hospital-based settings. Here's Courtney. So antimicrobial stewardship is a term used to describe a collective set of strategies or interventions and those interventions are, are targeted at wanting to improve antibiotic use. So they could be any AMS or in wanting to improve antibiotic use in the hospital or with uh, in general practice or in animals or in, in my uh, tailored area of expertise is surgical prophylaxis, which occurs mainly in the hospital setting. So uh, surgical prophylaxis is the term given uh, when they're in the hospital. They administer antibiotics uh, immediately prior to the surgery. Uh, there's evidence to suggest for a majority uh, of uh, clean procedures that administering antibiotics before the procedure uh, minimises the risk of any infections that you could get um, during or after the procedure. Uh, but uh, from the data that we have at the National Centre of Antimicrobial Stewardship, antibiotics are commonly used inappropriately in this setting. So whether it be given at the wrong time or given for too long after the procedure. Uh, so as I mentioned, the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship, we uh, run national surveys 
uh, called the National Antibiotic Prescribing Survey, and that uh, was conducted Australia-wide. And on the data we have from that, it identified that surgical prophylaxis was the most common indication for use of antibiotics in the hospital setting. And then from that, uh, around 40% of those uh, prescriptions for surgical prophylaxis were considered inappropriate. So when we talk about inappropriate doses, it could be timing. It was administered too early or too late in relation to the procedure. It could be based on duration uh, so that the antibiotic might have only been needed to be given once, but then the patient was given a script to take it for another 10 days. Uh, it could be an incorrect dose, not factoring in the patient's body weight or, or their allergies or if they've grown a bug that needed a different antibiotic. So there's lots of other factors that um, influence inappropriateness, but our data showed that surgical prophylaxis frequently implicated with inappropriate prescribing. So then the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship, we've then gone and uh, developed a more targeted survey called the SNAPS, so the Sur Surgical National Antibiotic Prescribing Survey. And that, uh, that again, has then enabled us to delve a bit deeper into Australian data, looking at um, how antibiotics prescribed before the surgery and after the surgery. And uh, in data... Um, shows that we're not doing well before and after, but more important, like more specifically, antibiotics are being prescribed more at a higher rate of inappropriateness after surgery. Mm. So that's when, for our patients, uh, they only needed one dose, but um, the doctors are prescribing a week's worth of oral antibiotics to go home with, which isn't indicated unless there is an infection. But if there's no infection, not indicated. It might just be for that one patient, but if every doctor does it for all their patients, then that's just an overwhelming amount of inappropriate antibiotics. Mm. And what are some of, I guess, like the, the risks or consequences um, of this overprescribing, both uh, pre-surgery and post-surgery? So I guess the most uh, common heard about um issue with overprescribing and overuse of antibiotics is the risk of antimicrobial resistance. Um, and they, um, you probably hear about that in the news and they say the words superbugs and resistant strains of antibiotics and things like that. Uh, but there's also there's many other factors that influence antimicrobial resistance as well, but inappropriate use of antibiotics is a major factor. Uh, but it's not just about resistance, it's also about the patient. So, of course, with, any, with antibiotics, like all medicines, there is a risk of adverse effects. So overusing antibiotics then increases the patient's risk of getting side effects, whether it be um, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, or developing an infection such as Clostridium difficile, which is associated with overuse of antibiotics yeah and yeah and it could interact with other medications as well antimicrobial stewardship is not just about combating resistance it's about improving patient outcomes and quality care and uh, we want our patients to receive the best and evidence-based care and that includes antibiotics for the right um, duration and time women on the line and what about from a professional perspective, how are you working with, I guess, doctors and nurses and, and everyone um, ar around this issue? 
also uh, with AMS or antimicrobial stewardship in general at NCAS, we have a one health approach. So I'm only one PhD fellow. We have many PhD fellows addressing all aspects of antimicrobial prescribing. So we have PhD fellows looking at AMS in general practice, so GPs, with nurses, in animal health, in the veterinary stream, uh, in aged care, and also looking at rural and regional areas of Australia as well. So um, our perspective is that stewardship needs to be adapted to all these different settings. So the key principles remain the same, that what you might do with a general physician or your GP might be a different approach with a vet or a surgeon or a nurse. Uh, for me, within my um, stream, looking at surgical prophylaxis, um, a big part of my PhD is looking through that SNAPS data set and identifying trends um, of what's happening with the current state of prescribing in Australia. And with that information, I want to then use that to then inform more targeted, tailored interventions to target surgical the surgical setting more specifically. We're also doing... Um, some qualitative work looking at more the behaviour of prescribing and the social sciences behind prescribing. So that's involved uh, focus groups with surgeons, anaesthetists, theatre nurses and pharmacists within the hospital setting and uh, wanting to get their understanding of the current state of prescribing, why they prescribe the way that they do, what's their perceptions of risk, um, how their behaviour um, might change or um, is influenced by their peers. So um, as you may know, medicine and surgery is very hierarchical. So mm. we might see the junior doctors doing a lot of prescribing, but they do so based on what their consultants tell them. So it's one thing we can um, pump a lot of information into our junior doctors, but it might not change the fact that if their boss says prescribe this, they're going to prescribe what their seniors tell them. So uh, just that, just those sort of um, social components and professional relationships have sort of come to light in that qualitative research and that sort of then helped us pinpoint who we need to target uh, our stewardship interventions at. Mm. Is it also sort of, I guess, like uh, trying to have a cultural shift? Because I can imagine that maybe, you know, 10, 20 years ago, these kinds of conversations weren't happening because I guess antibiotics were like the gold standard in, in which you like treat people, if that makes sense. Um, so the effectiveness yes, of... It's, it's, mm. it's, uh, uh, yeah, so um, behaviour change and culture change is very much a driving part behind antimicrobial stewardship. Uh, a lot of our PhD fellows are undertaking a lot of qualitative work in understanding behaviour because we need to understand the current behaviour and prescribing practices before we go and um, start trying to uh, implement change because we need to understand those underlying factors. And when we understand those underlying barriers or facilitators, that can help us create more informed and meaningful interventions. And those interventions then might be more sustainable. Um, and, like, and like I said, like knowing what those barriers are, if hierarchy is a barrier, then 
how do we address that? We need to be more engaging with our surgeons. Uh, do, are the surgeons happy with the current guidelines that, or are they not? Do they um, disregard those guidelines and behave in a separate manner? And then how can we get them on board with that? So cultural change, very hard to explain. It's very hard to um, uh, just go and just change everyone's opinions and thoughts, especially um, when, like you said, 20 years ago, some of these surgeons were prescribing and performing surgeries 20 years ago, so their practice might not have changed or their stance on antibiotics, but resistance profiles have. So how can we get those two on the same page and get more appropriate prescribing? Mm. Um, and on on the other side of that, I guess, and when you talk about the hierarchy of um, medicine, I guess there is also, I guess, um, when when you're a patient, the kind of autonomy or health literacy you may have in this context, especially in a surgical context. Um, so, for for I guess everyday people who are maybe concerned about this or want to take action on this, what do you you know, is there any kind of work that you do in terms of um, of patients, clients? Uh, I guess in a surgical setting, it's more just being, I thought we just want patients to be aware. So, and I guess it comes down to just that doctor, patient, even nurse and pharmacist relationship. It's really that whole team approach, including the patient in their care. They might obviously might not understand the reasons why that antibiotics are being prescribed or not, but it's just being aware of why they're being They get sent home on antibiotics. What are they taking them for? Of course, if they're at risk of an infection, it's then educating our patients what the signs of those infections may be so they do know to go straight to their GP for more antibiotics if that's indicated. Thank you so much, Courtney, uh, for speaking with us on Women on the Line. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We've come to the end of my conversation with Courtney Irano, a PhD fellow at the National Center for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of Medicine at the University of Melbourne. Before that, I spoke with Leslie Hawes, a PhD fellow at the National Center for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Department of General Practice at Monash University. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03-9419-8377. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, www.3cr.org.au forward slash Women on the Line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. I'm Hope Matumbu, and I hope you can tune in again next time.